0: I'm Will. I'm Chris. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you're going to hear topics discussed. Will, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug?
1: So, hi, my name's Will. I'm out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. I guess something to plug. Uh, I have There's a version of Soda Drinker Pro coming out on the uh, original Nintendo uh, on a cartridge coming out in December on limited run games. So that's a fun new one. And I have a surprise secret thing coming out in
0: october a surprise maybe we'll talk about it during this i don't know <laughs> very exciting very exciting uh who did you get to do the port oh uh that
1: was actually uh, a nice fellow named nathan who just reached out to me on uh i think linkedin and he was like hey guess what
0: i made <laughs> a- finally found out what linkedin is for yeah. it's for making nes ports of your games <laughs> exactly and he's awesome. He he, he totally, like
1: uh, basically, I I didn't do any of the programming of it, um, but he, it just kind of helped with like some direction and stuff on it. But he, it's seriously so accurate how well he did it. Like he did every single song in like chiptune and there's like 140 songs in it. It's like wow, all all the levels are there. There's extra levels. There's secrets. There's no full Vivian Clark experience in it, but there's things that uh, unlock a other thing that you might find someday you know
0: yeah 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 it unlocks a hatch in the cartridge that you you open it up and there's a nintendo ds game in there (laughs) exactly Uh,
1: (laughs) that's awesome It was fun and but yeah it was so nice he just reached out out of the blue and and i saw what he made i'm like you know he he should get this actually
0: published so wait so he he did this port before reaching out to you
1: yeah, like he started it and, and it was just like, I think the first like 20 levels. And then I was like, you know, let's let's release this. Like, this is really good. And so Limited Run was up for doing it. And which is an honor because they, they do really good stuff. And then the, uh, that was so cool. And then, yeah, he he did a great job. Like I I think like people who like to play like the who who know the game inside and out. I think are going to enjoy this, this version of it because it really, really stays true to the uh, original. But there's also some little fun surprises.
0: So Very cool. Uh, and Chris, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug?
2: Uh, yeah, my name's Chris. I'm a very novice player of Baldur's Gate 3. Um, <laughs> and I would like to plug... Baldur's Gate 2. <laughs> I've never played it, actually. But my partner has and she's like, oh, it's really cool. Uh, I'd like to plug Stretching. Uh, cause I'm not very good at it, but it feels really
0: good. Surprisingly. So yeah, yeah. So, yeah okay. it would it's not something you would expect. Like that's not intuitive that that would feel good, mm-hmm. but it does. Yeah,
2: it, do, it doesn't really feel good, like in the moment, but it definitely feels good after. And I've, I think that, uh, to improve my rock climbing skills, one of the many things that I should do is to, to work on my flexibility, just to be able to Make certain contortions slightly easier. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And basically, just get
2: closer to the wall because that helps pretty much every time.
0: Oh, that's always the trick. Like when I was rock climbing, I remember the hard part was not climbing. The hard part was not falling. Mm-hmm. It was like you 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 do the lifting with your hands, with your, with your legs rather. Mm-hmm. And then you with your hands, you're just trying to stay on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like that's the division of labor there. Mm-hmm. And it is by far the hard part is the because like I fucking I stand up all the fucking time. I do right. it like it's just in life.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I find that part really interesting, like especially I only gym climb. Uh. So it's somebody has designed this this puzzle. Yeah. And I really enjoy the process of trying to figure out like, OK, where where do I move my hips and legs such that I am capable of holding on because <laughs> it's like if it's slightly off it's completely impossible yep anyway that's not a topic <laughs> <laughs> i saw someone
1: was like yesterday um and on the internet i saw a video of someone <laughs> but like um the uh uh but it was someone climbing a rock wall without using their hands what and they were just using their legs and i was like it it was like like those like mountain goats that you see like that can go up
0: the steep cliffs it was incredible so wow. that's very cool I uh, will what is the thing that is in front of your chest is that like a keyboard oh yeah yes
1: yeah, so i have one computer over here that's this keyboard and then the one that you're on is on this one down here whoa okay i thought about doing like a switch form but it's like I don't know, it kind of feels like futuristic this way. And then sometimes I will make the desk stand up.
0: No, I mean it it does. It looks futuristic in the sense of like the interfaces they show in movies that would immediately give you carpal tunnel. <laughs> but but they look awesome on camera.
2: Yep. <laughs> it's like a it's like an organ of keyboards.
1: Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah.
2: <laughs> and I have keyboards over here that which they oh, work
1: wow. kind of like stacked in a similar way. They they need to, I'm rearranging that whole area.
0: Do you remember the, the phantom lap board? That sounds familiar. I don't know. There was a um, game console that was supposed to be like, you'd hook it up to your TV and play PC. I can't remember if it was actually a PC in there or if it was just like playing, it wanted to give you like the real first person shooter experience, but in front of your TV. And the way they did it was they had a, a keyboard with like a, that was kind of on a diagonal slant. And then underneath the keyboard, there was a stand that was um, also a platform for a mouse. So, you would like be ah. doing WASDI with one hand and then directly underneath that hand would be the mouse aiming. Where? Well, and the the console itself never came out, but the, the lap board did okay. because, ah. it, because it was like the only thing anybody liked from the, the idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was the only viable product. And I've never used it. And, like, we've we've kind of gotten beyond the idea of, like, no, you should have a, a mouse and keyboard for every every video game. We've kind of gotten past that. Mm-hmm. But it still is, like, an interesting thought. Like, what if you could mouse and keyboard on the couch?
2: Yeah.
1: Sometimes I do that. I have, like, a, a Wi-Fi keyboard that's just kind of, like, under the couch. And then I'll log into my computer here from Parsec on the NVIDIA Shield. Oh, cool. And It's sweet. It's like, because like, if I want to like work on, you know, making something, I can do it from downstairs and it works
2: perfect. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Does Parsec work over the internet as well? I guess it must.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Like you can, like, I'll log into my computer from my phone from like anywhere and just be like, check on something or whatever. That is really cool.
0: Yeah. Are we ready to start on some topics? Sure. Sure. Uh, Will, your topic is canoes.
1: All right. So should I just start talking about canoes or do you want
0: some canoe questions? You, 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 you got to give it the, give us the spiel. What's a canoe?
1: All right. Well, this uh, little, little family history, I grew up uh, in a canoe family. So we, we had canoe and kayak stores and we would sell and rent canoes and build canoes and repair them. And so it's a thing close to my heart. And I, uh, uh, so a canoe is a boat that, um, you know, has a, a hull sometimes it's fiberglass aluminum kevlar wood strip canvas all kinds and uh um you know you can paddle it on freshwater uh, and you paddle a canoe you don't you don't row it but you could row it if you put oars in it is
0: that the difference between paddling and rowing Yeah. so
1: oars you know you you do this paddling you hold it here and uh
0: do that so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like I've I've seen both of those actions. I've done both of those actions. Yeah. But I never made the distinction between them.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where like it's not that big of a deal. But it's like you know, when you at the canoe store, you know, everybody's like, Oh, I'm gonna row up. I'm like, you know, in and, and in the back of my head, I'm like, you're not rowing.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I funny. would never say <laughs> it, but like they're actually paddling and is the difference just whether your boat is holding on to your flat
0: piece. Flat go piece.
1: Yeah, maybe that's
2: it. You know, like I don't know the
1: technical. Well, it's a
0: different motion, right? And yeah. the motion, mm-hmm. the, the rowing motion requires there to be a hinge like uh, connector on the boat itself, right?
1: That's true. And like, you know, rowing, you use oars, which are shaped different than paddles. So, oh, okay. Is, you know, which are for canoes. So, and then there's, you know, all kinds of, you got the bent shaft paddles and there's like oh, these carbon fiber paddles that are like, like not even close to a pound they're so fast and wow you can there's like back in the day I was racing canoes a lot and uh um you know we'd get these like 17 foot uh carbon fiber ones that are like 15 20 pounds for the whole boat to lift up (laughs) it is so light and fast it's so cool yeah (laughs) That's really cool. But yeah, you know, I like canoes. Uh, you know what I recommend is check out a movie. I think it's actually on YouTube uh, called Water Walker by Bill Mason. It's like one of those ones. I feel like someday he's going to like get like may, maybe I don't know if he was ever like popular outside of the canoe world, but like he made these beautiful movies that are like a mix between like paddling instruction and like art. And it's like really beautiful of like him, like talking about nature. It's got kind of like a Bob Ross sort of vibe and like it's relaxing and cool. And but then he does all these like cool moves and stuff. So, yeah,
0: that sounds fun.
1: Yeah, that's kind of fun.
0: What would you say is the difference between a canoe and a kayak?
1: Hmm.
0: So kayaks usually uh you sit inside
1: of them they sit on top kayaks also that you know you can sit on top of i mean that's what i got started in for kayaks cuz like i was nervous you know thinking that if i fell over inside the you know regular kayaks i would get stuck in it so uh or i didn't know how to roll or anything like that so i started with a sit on top kayak and uh you know those have a paddle with two blades on it and you know you kind of do this motion <laughs> And, uh, uh, yeah, it's a lot closer to the water. It's, I would say it's a lot easier to do if you're just getting started on the water. Of course, you know, there's all sorts of advanced techniques you can do and stuff in that. And you can do white water, sea kayaking or just, you know, uh, black ponds and all kinds of stuff. That's like, I, I like kayaks. I, one of my favorite memories in a kayak, I remember, I think it was my high school graduation day. After like, you know, the whole ceremony, I went to down to the river behind the house and went into this pond. And I fell asleep in the in the kayak in the middle of the pond in this like really low to the water sea kayak. And I woke up and this like beautiful gigantic snapping turtle's head was like right next to the boat and just looking at me and just watching me. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this guy is crazy. And then like he saw me wake up and he's just like oh, under the water. This is a cool way to finish the school year. I think it was either probably high school. I think it was was one of those that are eighth grade. But yeah, you know kayaks. Kayaks are fun. My favorite, I think, out of all of them, is solo canoeing because, like, there's this whole technique to it where you you kind of like sit on the side of the boat and you lean it almost so it's like totally sideways. You do these like really fun paddling moves where you can like spin the boat around on like one stroke and like, you know, uh, uh, and you're like right on the edge of flipping it. But like when you do that, you you can do some crazy, you know, maneuvers and things. And it's just really fun sort of meditative
2: experience. I know that kayaks, like you can get a bigger one that has two people. Is there a smaller solo canoe
1: yeah, they do have solo canoes, uh, but usually I'll uh, like a canoe I usually go in will be like uh, um, if you're paddling a regular one solo, you just sit in the front or the bow and uh, but you sit in the front backwards oh. and that's kind of like how, how they're balanced out. Or, or sometimes people like to sit on like the um, the thwart in the, the center, but mm-hmm. like in uh, uh, and, and some of them actually have like. A kneeling one that you're supposed to kind of like like rest your butt on and kneel to but uh so it's kind of it depends you know it's like but I definitely don't recommend sitting in the back facing forward because it's just so much uh weight in the back it just makes it keeps it kind of inefficient mm-hmm. you know it's like you're just floating up and wiggling all over the place so oh, interesting yeah do you still get out on the water often you know I didn't this summer which is I don't think I got out at all this summer but before uh, a lot you know and it was mm-hmm. my old office was like right on the the water so like and it was cool because they had a deal with the the canoe company that was like on the water there and uh, um, so if you're a tenant there you could use their canoes and kayaks for free so I would just go out on lunch break and just go out on the Charles and you know oh, wow. uh, re- that was the best because that's like you know the best lunch break possible.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> but, intense. But that, that's
1: cool. Yeah. But yeah, I got to got to get out. Uh you know, I, I don't have my so the canoe I have is stored at my mom's right now and like cuz we don't have room for it here and got to get out. I just got new blocks for the car and everything. So oh, uh, nice. <laughs> but, but it might be too late to get out this year.
2: Right? Not really. What part of the country are you in? Did you say Boston?
1: Yeah, I'm in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, cool. yeah, so not too far
2: the cold is coming yeah i remember there was one one company that i interviewed for while i was in college Mm -hmm. uh that was right along the san francisco bay Mm -hmm. so they said that like a couple people would actually just canoe from their house or not yeah i think they kayaked (laughs) yeah but i think the bay is fairly like not choppy most of the time yeah
0: yeah anyway that was I, crazy. Is that
1: where you are now? Or mm-hmm.
2: yeah, this is
0: like uh, yeah, I, my 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 house is right above the right up the hill from my office, so I just roll down the hill to get to the office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like I work in a ski cabin, and my work is at the bottom of the of the mountain. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs>
2: yeah, would <laughs> <That'd> be awesome. <laughs> uh, last year, my partner organized like a canoe camping trip uh, just under Hoover Dam. Nice. And I was amazed by how much stuff you can put into a canoe and it's still yeah. fits just great. Yeah.
1: yeah. The way most canoes are made is you could your canoe could be completely filled with water and it'll still float. How is that even possible? Yeah, it, 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 it won't like float like above the water, but it'll <laughs> float. You know, it won't sink because they're usually made out of uh like a multi-layer material that has uh, flotation inside it. So oh, wow. it's, uh, yeah, Kevlar ones usually have the flotation in, in the front and the back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I work at a Lagrange point and my office is at the bottom of the zip line.
1: <laughs> I went to visit the HubSpot office once. No, it was kayak office. It's like on the fourth floor, there's this giant slide that you go down and, and it takes you to like this arcade bar area in like the bottom of the building and it has like all this it was crazy that, wow. maybe like a ball pit or something i forget but the slide was nuts would a
2: kayak float in a ball pit that's a good question <laughs> we got to get the the myth busters on that one <laughs> <laughs> i think that experiment legally has to be done in a company called kayak which exactly. doesn't have anything to do with the kayak that's like a travel company right
1: yeah yeah they're travel this company i didn't even put two together because we're talking about kayaks and uh i, I didn't even but i just thought about because of the slide yeah they they're out of here they're cool
2: oh that is cool
1: we used to do the boston unity nights there for a little bit that's that's why i was there so that was. oh that's cool yeah which recently disbanded very recently right like yeah days ago yeah yeah that that's was Bummer. I mean, you know, we'll still be doing stuff. It's just like Mm -hmm. it's but but those were such a good, you know, such a nice. I mean, still is a nice group of people. Mm -hmm. It's like
0: they're just not a nice group of people together anymore.
1: Yeah, I think they're just going to move it to the Boston Indies stuff. There's one that they did this summer. They did a couple like barbecues and it was so fun. Just like seeing everyone all like, you know, making games and hanging out.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I miss that. I miss, like, there was a period in my life, probably like 2010 to 2014 or something like that, uh, when I was doing game jams all the time. Yeah. Like maybe one a month. Oh, you know, yeah. It, it's kind of like, it just, it was what led to me, you know, like having a job in games, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was much more effective than sending out resumes.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. totally. Those are so fun. That's like yeah. kind of, when I think of, like, a vacation, mm-hmm. to me, it's just, like, and, of course, I love, like, regular vacations, but, like, I really love just, like, being totally, like, locked up in a room, just, like, yeah. like
0: on a time limit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, part of it for me was the social aspect of it. Oh, yeah. That, that is something I I miss a lot. Like, it, it just hasn't happened for me since COVID. And it yeah. really wasn't happening since, basically, since I met my wife. Mm-hmm. Just Mm -hmm. because like, oh, now I'm socially doing this instead, but I no longer need it for my career anymore. Mm -hmm. I just know enough people basically. Uh, And so like, it is, it is one of those weird things where like, if you want a job in a certain field, you probably have to go to a certain city and live there for a few years to network enough to get the job. And then you can move back Mm -hmm. to wherever you were living before, like Fucking you got to go to uh, you got to go to Boston or New York or L.A. or a Bay Area or like Toronto mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to make to make games. But then like once you know enough people, you can leave and you can just do remote work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> were you doing that uh, in order to get
2: paying stuff or were you doing that? Not because... at first. At first I was just doing it because I was like having a great time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of which, are you doing the zero hour game jam
0: this year? No, I, well, I, so I did that for five years in a row mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. And I did it in flash back when flash was still a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked, I was really comfortable in flash and I did, I feel, I feel like I did five really worthy zero hour games. Mm-hmm. Well, all worth playing for at least a minute. Then I was like, okay, I got to switch to unity now. Cause flash is dead and then like I, I can't make something in zero hours in unity that's fair. like it's just it's so unwieldy mm-hmm. and then like okay now 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 like now i'm waking up at 7 a.m mm-hmm. every day because i have a kid
2: mm-hmm.
0: so like that's all out the window right
1: yeah definitely more difficult doing game jams actually the last one i tried to do i had to leave like Super early because my son was sick, so I, was oh. like, I had to go home and help. And I was like, you yeah, know, that's okay. And mm-hmm. it was like, but I would love to do. I, I guess you know, um, when we did the the Dreadx collection, that was sort of a game jam. Like, that was right at the beginning of COVID stuff, and so it was like extra scary, depressing. I mean, the whole thing, scary and depressing. But like, that was like a maybe a couple months into it, and like uh, we all made a horror game. Uh, in a week and it was uh, a really like therapeutic experience like I just like because normally I don't make like scary sort of stuff I mean maybe a little bit but like but this was like trying to like I was like I'm gonna go nuts with it (laughs) It was really fun and then you know the final product of it it's like either some people really loved it and then
2: everyone else was like you just walk in a tunnel it's stupid maybe (laughs) the same criticisms that exist for Like scary movies.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I I feel like this is definitely a thing with indie horror games is that like a lot of it is atmosphere and pacing and that stuff takes a lot of polish to get right for a wide variety of users and you don't have time for that in a game jam. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, I remember playing, I played one of the Dread X collections and pretty much every single game was like, you know, wandering around, wandering a 3D environment with like filters that make it look spooky but also hard to tell what i'm doing yeah obscure puzzles meanwhile nothing is happening presumably like at some point if i solve one of these puzzles something scary happens yeah but i never i didn't i don't think i solved any of the puzzles in any of the games
2: (laughs) well you don't even want to know what happens if you don't solve the puzzle in time yeah you you give up and hit hit alt f4
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like it was neat because we met a bunch of like different developers in that one too that we you know became friends and stuff and we were just such a
2: nice like crew that i was like i was like happy to be a part of that one it sounds like fun it's fun i I remember hearing about this but i guess i never played it according to steam so i'd have to give that one a go it's almost Halloween anyway so yeah
1: it's the season exactly if if you play the first one so the game i made in it's called rot gut mm-hmm. and it's based on a true story which in providence rhode island there's an abandoned tunnel there that used to be a train tunnel and i went to a uh terrifying party down there once Whoa. by myself that like some dude just gave me an invitation to it on the street and i'm like oh that sounds like a good idea <laughs> like, i go to this like like down this scary hill and into the scary tunnel you know you walk for a while and it's all like wet and yucky and and like the graffiti on the walls was amazing and like so cool and there's just this crazy rave and like this guy like pulled a knife on me and like then we go further past the party and just into the darkness and first crazy monument you'll see which is a real it's still there—is a a burned up police car Whoa. and uh because uh, like a bunch of RISD students in like the 80s had a party down there and they like the police locked them in there and threw like uh tear gas or whatever in there and like you know it, you know big big uh thing and then somehow a police car got in there and they burned it and then but then you go really far down there and this is like super scary because it's like you can't see anything, and you're just by yourself in this two mile tunnel. And there's a piece of wood on, like, laying against the the wall. It's surrounded by candles, and there's a dead bird uh nailed to the the uh, wood, and then like blood or whatever it, it was uh, the word rock gut. And Whoa. I was like, that's terrifying. And I just like went left, you know. I was like yeah. out of there. But but that's basically what what you do in the game. So, like, except, that's really cool sometimes they die in it but it's like you know yeah. but you, it's like you die of like asthma attacks and stuff cuz like
2: probably how it
1: would go down for me in there you know, like it's like
2: yeah um, questionable poisonous air probably filled with unknown tunnel organisms exactly there's there's a bunch of videos on youtube of people going down there
1: too so if you look up uh uh east side tunnel providence on youtube you can can find some there and it's it's scary And and kind of fun. I totally went back a couple other times, and it was totally bad idea.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
0: I think asthma attack is an amazing mechanic for a horror game. Yeah, yeah, scary. I guess amnesia basically does the same thing. Like that, what does what I'm imagining, which is that like whenever you're looking at something scary, the meter is filling, Mm. and then like eventually you choke and die. Yeah. Like, it's like Max Payne. The inhaler makes a very specific sound when you shake it. Yep. Mm. (laughs) There's a mechanic in Half Life,
2: Alex. I don't know if y'all have played it, where there's like spores that will cause you to have a coughing fit. So you have to cover your mouth with your hand. No way. Which is really cool, and it's used to terrifying effect. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's like,
1: I feel like doing mouth stuff in VR. Like it feels neat like when we were making the the vr version of soda drinker and that was like on a dk1 so that was totally you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) weird feeling but like um it felt like the first time i like made the soda actually like line up with my mouth it felt so cool i was like
2: yeah (laughs) this is crazy yeah alchemy i think a big portion of what they do is just make it so you can eat everything (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's a it's like perfect mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like, it's really fun. Yeah, it is. It's like uh, I was just in VR right before this. It's so oh cool. Cool. gravity sketch and mm-hmm. just making stuff
0: in there. It's
2: so nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Are we ready for another topic? Sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> this has been canoes. <laughs>
0: this has been canoes. <laughs> We've been talking about canoes. Uh Chris, your your topic is blowing soap bubbles with your hands making cricket noises party tricks
2: yeah i don't i'm a person who doesn't have very much patience when it comes to learning things or practicing things but the classification of things that i do really enjoy learning is is stuff like that so i figured out when i was like 6 or 7 that if you're washing your hands you can kind of like move your thumb and forefinger into a circle and and get a th- like a film of soap over it and then blow a Mm -hmm. really huge bubble into your other hand, like, like a foot (laughs) wide or something, which is fun. It's hard to get that to I I haven't figured out how to detach that from my hands yet. Still working on that one, uh, 20 years later, but, um, that's one, uh, the Ferris Bueller noise, the water drop. Yeah. uh, That one's really fun. Just like, I'm really attracted to learning things like that. And I'm also curious if if you guys have any.
0: Yeah, there's the one where you play a blade of grass, like a reed instrument. Yep.
2: That's a cool one. I remember people doing that in elementary school, but I I don't know if I ever figured that one out.
0: I don't actually do this at parties, but I do have a thing that I would class as an act like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it it involves blowing air past my cheek. And this is like, this is going to be, this is much more interesting to watch than just to listen to, but but here it is. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Whoa. Awesome. Another
1: one of the funny jobs I've had over the years was in college. I, I worked as a, a professional magician and mentalist. And so like Whoa. that was so party tricks. Professional. <laughs> exactly. I was just looking around. I'm like. Uh, like a deck of cards, that like, show you something. Magic tricks are different than party tricks, though. I mean, I've done magic at tons of parties before.
2: Is it a maybe? It becomes a party trick if you can do it with uh, materials available on hand. So, like yeah. any card trick, probably.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like,
2: like you could do like inhaler magic. Like, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> the inhaler is gone. Now it makes a different sound. <laughs> That's cool. One that I learned in, actually, I don't know, high school or college or something that I always forget and, and have to relook up, but it's it's folding printer paper into hearts. Ooh. That's, that's a fun one. That's cool.
1: Oh, you know what's a good one? Uh, this is a party trick. The one where you you put a little bit of salt on on uh, the table and then you balance a salt shaker on its side. What? Yeah, that's a good one, because it's like, because if you if you line the the because the way that, you know, salt uh, is shaped, it's like little cubes. And so, like, when you do it just right, you can leave it totally on its side. So there's that one. And then after that, this is my friend Josh's joke, is you can you take like a salt and pepper and you put them on top of each other and you go like and you say, what's that? And I say oh, a spice ship.
2: <laughs> and then
1: you take the salt and pepper, you go. Hi, I'm Salt. Hi, I'm Pepper. What's that? Season's greetings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, the courtesy of Josh Herbeck. <laughs> it's, That's awesome. It's a trick and a show all in one. Exactly. I think I'm gonna try the salt one. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. That's a, <laughs> that sounds like, so cool. Yeah, in, you know what? You can do like the bendy pencil trick. You know that one? I've seen that one. Uh huh. I would definitely classify all all pen spinning tricks. Yes. In in this category. Absolutely. I recently learned from a YouTube video called 20 Levels of Spinning Pens Mm -hmm. that there are 20 levels of spinning pens that just get completely out of hand. And eventually, like the later tricks require like a custom balanced machined pen that doesn't (laughs) write. It's basically a tiny baton, but it's pretty cool. That's awesome.
1: That's, yeah, pen spinning is very cool. Like I like pen spinning better than, like, I don't like it when you're at a place and someone has, like, a butterfly knife and they're just, like, flipping it around. I'm uh-huh. like, that's scary. I don't want to get poked.
0: Oh, yeah. What what do you call a game? And this is this, this definitely counts for this topic, where you, like, stab between someone's fingers. Oh, yeah. There's a name for that. Uh, I want to say Mumbledy Peg, but that might be a different horrible knife game. That sounds yeah. like... A high one of those words that you type it into
2: a survey and they know exactly what city you're from. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I, I if I had to name this game, I would call it Sweat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: My friend made it a game. That I think it was based on that. It involves chopping off fingers. I forget the exact mechanic. I think it was called chop the finger, though. You know, it's like some sort of thing like that. And it was I remember it being pretty good.
2: That sounds like you can only play it, like, at most five times.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, in Peg, in one common version of Peg, two opponents stand opposite one another with their feet shoulder-width apart. The first player takes a knife and throws it to stick in the ground as near his own foot as possible. Wow. And the second player does the same, and whichever player sticks the knife closest wins. Wow. And if you stab yourself, you win by default. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's good. I'm glad that's a rule.
2: It'd be pretty <laughs> frustrating if you, like, get your toe and then your opponent has to, like, put it right in the middle.
0: Yeah. You got to split the arrow like Robin Hood.
2: I remember maybe in,
1: like, fourth grade, and anyone listening at home, don't do this because... Off to a start. Yeah, this is, like, I I really got to remember. and I, I've been, like, really going back to being like, what age was I when I did this specific thing and trying to figure out exactly when it was, but like, uh, uh, definitely in fourth grade, I was over friend's house and he had a bow and arrow and he was just shooting arrows in the air
2: and we would just run away from him. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, I feel like I've done that in video games. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> but never in real life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is before, you know, you could do that and like, This is before even, you know, Doom and any of that stuff. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One that I just thought of that you can try at home on your computer right now, that my friend taught me like last week is if you hold Windows Control Shift Alt L, (laughs) it does something completely ridiculous on Windows only.
1: Okay. Windows control shift
2: alt. Did that just open up LinkedIn?
0: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was reading about this. This is apparently um, uh, a shortcut for the, the office key, which was a new key Microsoft invented to put on their keyboards. Oh. And you hit office. Like, I can't remember any of the other examples because they're not as funny, but they're all like Microsoft, like productivity products. Actually, this is probably pretty realistic. That we're assuming that LinkedIn will be around for as long as this keyboard is, as the keyboard works. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah.
2: So now you have a key shortcut if you want to. Oh my God. If you want to find someone to help port your video game to NES. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> exactly.
1: It's like, I feel like LinkedIn is this weird place that's like m- mostly. A pretty good vibe there like it's like like people are mostly just kind of polite and nice it's like a lot of the other ones i but but it's also like a lot of people being like you know saying that they're thought leaders a lot which is, <laughs> i always mean, like i feel weird about saying like saying i'm I'm a
0: thought leader can and, you and endorse I, somebody as a thought leader is that something people ask you to do <laughs>
1: oh my god i didn't, i when i was doing the uh merrill ai shows I had a bot. Was at the end of every show, he would ask everyone in the audience to add him on LinkedIn, and then uh, so you know he's just a bot. And then when uh, um, the the way it worked was he would automatically accept it and then endorse every one of their skills for every person on there. So <laughs> just awesome. look, <laughs> and then like I'd send people messages and his character because at the time he wasn't as advanced as he could you know get stuff, but.
2: This, who is this
1: robot oh yeah so i had a show i was doing in uh new york this was before all this crazy ai stuff you know was going on but it was a really i guess i started it six years ago it was uh i started them at pax but there were uh uh a show i would do that was like uh um an ai bot named merrill that would perform a show and so like we would be on stage or we would have guests and stuff uh be on stage and it starts out kind of like a panel show and then it turns into this whole like it basically creates a full show uh for about an hour that's like based on the responses of the audience and and uh the, the panelists and that's it was cool. really fun it was like uh a, a lot of the stuff we made from that and a bunch of like adult swim stuff and this is crazy jim i was working on a bunch of stuff with adult swim when you were doing the frog faction stuff and it was so secretive I didn't even know that your game was coming oh, to wow. there. And it was like like I was going to their offices a whole bunch at the time. So it was
0: like Yeah.
1: They they locked it down.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I was surprised, A, that they well, not not so much that the people got it, but like that as a corporation, they were able to treat it with with, with the secrecy that was necessary for the project. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually, I remember I was testing the the Rick and Morty game there uh, nice. before that came out. Yeah. That's yeah, they were cool. cool. I made a bunch of stuff for them that most of it never saw the light of day, but they bought it. But <laughs> it was, uh, but we did like a generative space ghost and all kinds of stuff. Well,
2: we, I think we're still talking about canoes. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, oh, party tricks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. We were talking about the LinkedIn button combo. That right. is amazing. Yeah, That's it would like, be it would be cooler if you could push a certain combination of buttons and buttons on a on the Xbox. Yeah. Uh, and to bring up LinkedIn on your <laughs> <laughs> You can control it with Kinect or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: We were one of the few Kinect games for Xbox One for Soda Drinker.
2: Oh really? Uh, that's that's some impressive hustle. You really got that thing around. I think I need to look deeper into Soda Drinker to understand it.
1: Yeah, it's a silly game. Bunch of I mean we did we even we launched for a medical device. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it a pregnancy
0: test? Yeah, I was about to ask the same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's actually a, a robotic arm called uh, uh uh so it's for like stroke patients, and so they can control this arm with with their mind because it kind of fires off the uh, stuff to you know uh, um make it move when you think about it, so that when those things would fire off, the, the motor would you know move the arm. We we were selling sodas at the time because we had like real sodas and stuff and i got an order and i was like this is just downstairs from you know my office like i'm i I was in you know one broadway and they were like on the fourth floor and i was like who is this (laughs) i didn't even know them and they didn't know that i was in the same building and so i was just like i went to grab a case of them brought it down to them and then you know uh uh we got to talking and they were like can we use your game to teach people how to use this tech and i was like Yeah, of course. So they uh, ported it to that and it worked. And it was, uh, that was cool.
0: Yeah, that is cool. cool. (laughs) Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Uh, My topic is Nissan.com. Clicking on it now. I'm sorry, what? It went to a parked. This is new. This is different. I'm pretty sure I checked out Nissan. all right. I'm going to archive.org. I'm pretty sure I, this was like when I put this in the bucket, which admittedly was a couple of months ago, I think it was actually the original thing. Huh. Oh, weird. Nissan.gov. Nope. EDU. All right. Nope. Well, all right. I went back to 2005 on archive.org. I'm going to send you a... I'm going to paste that. Okay. Because that was like when I, how I originally discovered this thing. Nissan.com is owned by uh, a guy named Uzi Nissan who owns, who runs like a tech support company and Whoa. Nissan Motors apparently sued him for ownership of the domain. And in response, he put up this, uh, this document with the, with like a, a animated heaf of well, waving American flag, talking about how, how they're being sued for use of their own name and i just found it fascinating and, and like if you if you see, seek ahead in, in archive.org you will find that the um the ruling was that he was allowed to keep the domain but wasn't allowed to uh use it to run his company that's so weird and so like instead he used it to um complain about the lawsuit wow oh uh, yeah flipping through this is amazing how did you find out about this i i i think Probably what happened is that somebody I knew was trying to find out about Nissan cars, and then they were like, hey, check this out. Wow,
2: I wonder if uh, these additional hearings ever happened. Oh, later on it becomes, it can, (laughs) Nissan Motors, lawsuit against us, it can happen to you or someone you know. (laughs) Insurance rates as low as $39 a month. That's pretty low. And
0: like the web design never gets past like 1998, Uh, even as you go up to like, the late 2010s, yeah, wow. Which I'm, I'm d- totally down with. I think that's fine. Although, like, obviously, you want a, a mobile version as well. It's still even in
2: yeah December of last year. Is still uh, there must be news about this. Nissan news. Okay, I don't, I don't have to do this googling.
0: Oh yeah, okay. There's this a 2020 is... story about it. When I looked at it, I remember this now. When I looked at it, when I put it in the bucket. It was an ad for Fader, F-A-I-D-R, which is like AI-driven radio. Whoa. I'm I'm just trying to figure this out from like the one sentence summary. It seems like it uses AI to set the radio station for you. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm seeing a story that says the person who made this page passed away a few years ago from COVID. And the estate of them claims that somebody stole the domain and like pointed it at something else oh that seems extremely plausible this story is june 28th of this year wow in the stolen domains lawsuit the company says that uzi nissan spent over three million dollars fighting nissan in an eight-year battle that began in 1999 holy cow i'm trying to picture in my head like this uh like this conceptual rabbit hole just like in the there's this little like Easter egg in the real world. Well, I guess it's not in the real world, but it's in real life. Right. Yeah. Wow. I wonder. I mean, it sounds like it's a developing story. Like maybe we should, maybe you should set a reminder for six months. So 24
0: <laughs> episodes from now. Yeah, we all, we all reconvene on this show to discuss what <laughs> happened to Nissan.
2: Mm hmm.
1: You know, when you find a page, you're like, it it feels like like a artifact of like earlier time and they just kind of haven't touched it. And like uh, there was one uh, that I never told anyone about because I just didn't like if it if it got out on the Internet, like I feel like it would be like too shocking for her or something. But so Sylvester Stallone's mom has a a website and, and I think she passed away. A couple of years ago, so that's the only reason I'm talking about it. Mm -hmm. It had the best, like, like, and it's probably maybe it's still up, but like, if you actually look on the Wayback Machine on that, it it had like the best auto-playing music in the background that like would open up like a Windows Media Player like inside an iframe, and like it was so awesome, and and it was uh, for a thing she did called Rumpology, which was like you would put your butt on like henna ink and then stamp it onto like a piece of paper and then mail it to her and then she would give you like a reading like kind of like a tarot reading or whatever that's so cool yeah.
2: <laughs> oh that's really interesting yeah
1: and it was like, I was like oh like uh it looks like the website maybe he's gone i feel like the search results in general have been weird lately
2: i found one called jacqueline
1: Yep, that's the one. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. This is. Uh, if you look at the Wayback Machine version of it, uh-huh. it's it's like awesome.
0: <laughs> now, my favorite is when you look at a web page and it looks like it's from like nineteen ninety seven, but then you open it up on your on your phone. It has like good reflow. Yep, and like so they so they like they rebuilt this page for the modern internet with different yeah. screen aspect ratios. They just didn't update the design. Exactly. I'm
1: looking at the. Uh, Jacqueline Stallone archive from
2: October 2012. It's pretty sweet. Whoa. Whoa. October was lit. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder why. Maybe the robot got hungry. Whoa. This looks incredibly 90ser than the current one. Oh, yeah. Shining stars in the back, all the different uh, astrological signs on the bottom. Yeah. Rompology still in there, still featured. You know what? The reason I learned about this, actually, and I, I think about
1: it, someone was working with her, and they were they asked me to make an app for them. Uh, it was basically kind of like a, a virtual tarot deck thing, or or something like that. I forget, but I didn't end up doing it. I was just I was like scared to make an app by myself because like just have to update it forever after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is <laughs> so, the
0: problem. Yeah. Yeah, or you just let it be uh, temporary, like this you release the app into the world, and then if it, it, like soon it dies. Yeah. Uh, but it was beautiful while it lived, like us. That's true. That's a nice way to think of apps.
1: Yeah. My favorite apps are Buffalo chicken wings, boneless spare ribs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I want the the first thing that would go out from an app like that would probably be the API call that you use to get your uh like truly random like radioactivity data <laughs> to, to run the <laughs> the card reading from. Yeah.
1: And they were really nice and stuff. I was just like, that one's going to be a whole lot of work. And I'd rather just make video games
2: myself. <laughs> I
0: feel that way when it's time to wash dishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. For this topic, we're going to be reading this poem by Mary Oliver called Nothing is Too Small Not to Be Wondered About. Who would you like like to read this poem? Nose goes, I put my finger on my nose. Oh, man. We could actually now, unlike all the other times you've made that joke on this podcast, we could actually see each other's faces now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's less funny, but...
2: Well, I had to explain that I put my finger on my nose so that the listeners know I was the first to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I still haven't, so I guess I'm doing it. You can cry first, Jim. Oh, The cricket doesn't wonder if there's a heaven, or if there is, if there's room for him. It's fall. Romance is over. Still he sings. If he can, he enters a house, through the tiniest crack under the door. Then the house grows colder. He sings slower and slower, then nothing. This must mean something, but I don't know what. But it certainly doesn't mean he hasn't been an excellent cricket all his life. I think that's really cute.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I like
0: it. I think it's a fun one. I think it's fun to have fun to have nature in your poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun to think about a cricket's interiority. I agree that it feels like it must mean something, and I agree that I don't know what. Yeah, but well, I, I think like when the crickets slow, doesn't it mean it's colder. Don't they like? Oh, that might just be just be making this up, and I know there are bug people listening to this show. So, and they're probably on the Discord. So, <laughs> go ahead, and explain it to everybody. D- isn't the, like the the frequency of a cricket's noises? Isn't that based? On, like, can't you use that to like tell what temperature it is outside? Whoa! Ooh, I didn't That's know that is I Very cool. That's
1: neat.
0: Could be wrong about that. I guess that
2: follows from the poem itself. Yeah. I really like thinking about bugs. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> that makes one of us. Was
1: two days ago, I was out eating food outside, and you know, wasp lands on your your food, and he's like, "Give me, give me some of that roast beef sandwich," you know, and it's yeah. like,
0: uh, uh, <laughs> all right. yeah, you could feed it like you feed the du- feed bread to the ducks, exactly." And you you had better feed it, or it's, or it's gonna like be on your sandwich while you're taking a bite.
1: Oh, totally. And then I was thinking about uh, butterflies just last night a lot, just thinking about like how, like if when you're a caterpillar, do you remember when you're the butterfly, do you remember what it was like being the caterpillar? I guess that's what I was thinking about last night. And mm-hmm. maybe they have an answer to that. I don't know. But I was just, it's like such an interesting thing that a creature does. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. like we, we kind of yeah. just get bigger and change a little bit, but like, wow, that's a pretty big, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, they, like a, and they kind of like go from, and maybe I'm getting, you know, I'm definitely not a bug expert, but uh, like you know, they go from being a caterpillar and then they, it's crazy. Yeah, just
2: shake everything up. Yeah, I I feel like even though I have the same number of wings that I've always had, which is zero, mm-hmm. I still feel like I don't really remember what it was like to be a caterpillar. I do remember a few times having the specific thought, like I'm going to remember this moment when I'm older and like, I'm not going to forget what it was like to be a kid. And I totally don't remember what, what those moments actually were. And I'm like, damn it. I forgot what it was like
0: to be a kid. I I promised to myself that I wouldn't, but. yeah. My my understanding is that caterpillars in the chrysalis, like they become a goo.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's Mm
0: -hmm. insane. And then they reform. It is.
1: Like, do they think that they're dying or they're like,
0: all right, let's do this. Like, like they're going to jump out of an airplane, you know, or they're just like, I'm tired. Do caterpillars think, do, yes. do they anticipate things? It's just, it's really hard to, to think about like, even, even the, even like animals that are closer to us. Like it's really like, it's, it's clear to me that they have emotions. It's clear that they, they can, some of them can plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they have like things they want and things they want to avoid. I wonder if there are any bugs that make a plan. I mean, ants have really like advanced sort of colonies and stuff. This like- is actually kind of what I wanted to get at. Ants specifically. Yeah. I've been thinking about ants because we've got ants in our house. Yeah. Oh, no. Ants have a pretty sophisticated like hive mind-ish thing that's all done with, with like physical space and pheromones. Yeah. Mm. Presume they're following the smell of food. And when they actually find it, they will like retrace their steps and follow and like leave... Strong pheromones, meaning like, you should go here. This is where to go. And I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they also leave like, I've been here a while and there's nothing here, pheromones. Like, I gave up. I'm pretty sure. Like, just looking at their, their, like, because we have cat food, like we made moats around the cat food. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. so that the ants can't get to it and we saw like ants near it and they were like checking it out because like oh it smells like food over here and the next day we didn't do anything about it and then because there were no you know there wasn't actually any way to get for them to get there and so they and the next day they were gone Huh. Hmm. and i feel like they wouldn't just give up unless they had some sort of been there and done that yeah Mm-hmm. Like the the behavior of an ant is pretty simple, but the behavior of the ant colony is fairly sophisticated. Leaving a map of the of the physical sp- space in the space, mm-hmm. yeah, like doing pathfinding. It's really neat. But the, I was going to bring that up in the context of a cal- caterpillar turning into a you know a moth or a butterfly mm-hmm. and retaining memories. Yeah, I only have an intuition here. I don't have any knowledge of the science, but. It seems totally plausible to me that like some form of caterpillar memory could just be encoded in this in the world. Yeah. And I guess that's just what memories are. They're encoded in like the physical neurons of our brains, but like in the liquid somehow. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's cool. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, I, you're right. Bugs are cool. Bugs are cool. <laughs> I still don't like thinking about them, though. Yeah. It's Would like- you feel differently if there weren't ants in your house currently? You know the ants are actually, thankfully, one of the bugs that bother me the least. Okay, it's because they're so small; I can't see any details. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that makes sense. When I lived in Princeton, there were ants that were like half an inch long. They were huge fuckers. Yes. Yeah, like and and like bulb with bulbous, like like all three segments were like. I want to say they were like the size of a pea. That's probably a little big for what. Mm like probably in my memory they're the size of a pea wow. they were like sizable and i did not like those ants ah, no i feel like at least living in california one
2: thing that my southern mom has said to me a million times like as far as the bug lottery goes like much of california is is pretty good because it's kind of too dry for a lot of bugs to be around and like, we don't have fire
0: ants, but I, I don't know. I've been pretty pro bugs since I played animal crossing. Like we, we just don't see that. Like there aren't that many mosquitoes. Like yeah. for some reason, California only supports a few mosquitoes instead of millions. I was going to say
2: there mostly aren't scorpions, except maybe in like the, some of the desert areas. <laughs> like there's fewer, there's fewer scorpions than I would expect <laughs> right what does that mean
1: <laughs> that's another creature that's like totally its own sort of weird thing you know like it's like like let's make a scary looking thing uh-huh. <laughs> give it that pointy tail and the claws it's like a super scary lobster <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
2: if you were given the spore creature creator and you yeah. wanted to create something very sharp, yeah. how would you do it? Yeah. Um, one bug that I want to put into y'all's awareness. Also, we don't have to keep digging into, into bugs if, if we don't like bugs, but there's this thing that I found in my office one time, a long time ago. I found that it was called a scorpion. <laughs> which the pictures of these things look really gross, but they are like so tiny, you can barely even see them. I don't think they do anything. They I don't they just like hang out on old stuff sometimes. But I don't know. For some reason, ever since I learned that there's such a thing as a pseudoscorpion, which is like this little tiny guy that has little pinchers, but like it doesn't pinch you, they're too small. Uh and oh wow. Yeah, some I don't know. Some they'll then they'll just like be in random places very occasionally and i feel like i've found something some very animal crossing like oh i found this the yeah. thing that i was looking for <laughs> little guys yeah that's cool but all these videos look really freaking gross but in real life they're so small but like you said jim there's not that much detail so they're not that gross <laughs> Oh, like I clicked on the the images portion of Google. I'm just gonna paste this image. It's it's a picture of a pseudo scorpion like on somebody's fingernail, and it's like very tiny. Should I put should I put this in our chat history?
0: Oh, that is very small.
2: Well, I pasted. it. I hope. Oh, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. So the the one that I initially saw was about that big. That's crazy. Yeah, it kind of looks like it like a tick. Yeah, that was. I don't like. <laughs> I remember because I was like at work, but I didn't get any work done for the rest of the day because I was like looking up the types of arachnids and stuff like that after finding this thing, and <laughs> that's a whole thing. I don't even remember how how this one fits into the whole picture. Really
0: cool. Are we ready for another topic? Yes, ah. Chris. Your topic is: Would zombies try to hide the fact that they were zombies? I think this was the shower thought. Like, if was
2: like, is it in a zombie's best interest to just kind of? Cover up with some, you know, nice clothes. And just when you're in biting reach, getcha.
0: Well, I think part of the nature of a zombie is that it's dumb. Mm -hmm. If if it was like a smart zombie, it would just be like, oh, here's a world full of serial killers.
2: Yeah, true.
0: (laughs) It's just they're lying in wait for you. They'll pretend to be pretend to be regular humans. So they're dumb and they're angry. That's like one of their primary
2: characteristics, is being extremely gur or or just hungry or or just hungry, but usually aggressive about it. Which, yeah. like, I mean, we've all been there. But <laughs> that maybe they would be more effective. Like, if a zombie just pretended to be completely dead, would that yeah. be more effective? <laughs> Certainly, in a city, that's there's that's got to be a more effective strategy because you won't. You'll be like, oh, that that one's probably safe. That's just a person sleeping nope it's <laughs> a zombie bad news and it's not even smart it, it was just very patient
1: yeah i think that's probably like the key to being like a good zombie is just not not just chasing people because then you're gonna get shot but if you just hide and wait for a person then you
2: eat them yeah yeah i, I don't know and, and i don't know what the uh what the minimum Intelligence level of the zombie is for them to start making these kind of decisions. I don't know if zombies eating brains allows them to have more of their own brain. Probably not. I don't think that's usually one of the rules of zombies. Oh, if zombies
0: get smarter as they eat? If they got smarter, would they be like, "Oh, this is gross"? <laughs> <laughs> they would. Just, they would just start like preparing it in like a nice wine sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Zombies like all lining up
2: at Whole Foods. <laughs> I don't think there's much more to it than that. Well, also zombies could definitely blend in really well in like nature scenarios. Cause they look they're like decayed, aka they're halfway to being dirt. There's yeah. dirt all around. Hiding in the woods would be a good and I guess how long
1: can you go without having brains if you're a zombie too? You just like
0: Yeah, I've I've, I've definitely seen well, actually like come to think of it most uh most z- like zombie fiction doesn't address address this at all mm-hmm. but the ones that i have seen address it do do it in the way that's scary which is that they kind of go into a coma and can mm-hmm. lay just be be oh i don't know how to pronounce this word quiescent mm-hmm. is that it yeah. uh indefinitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. until like they get woken up by you know so here's a serious dude walking by with a with a nice tasty looking scalp
2: I r- <laughs> But only the scalp these are these are choosy zombies. Oh yeah, the,
0: if the zombie like you don't you can't see the brain or smell it. so the zombie has to be attracted to the scalp. Yeah, true. <laughs> evolutionarily speaking. <laughs> right. Like that, that's why one of the most effective defenses against zombies is to remove your scalp and just have an open brain there so the zombies are like, what what even is this? What is that? Yeah even like a window, a
2: window, you know it gives you the protection you need. Oh yeah. yeah, you might. You have to be careful of sunburn, so you still have to like sunscreen the top of it. You have, or you just paint a brain on your helmet. Okay. Yeah. What, what <laughs> about like a fluffy basketball? Does that is that that seems like pretty scalp adjacent? Flu- fluffy? Yeah, like like a like a short hair wig taped to a leather ish basketball. Not one of the new like three D printed ones that they have.
0: Like your your grandpa's basketball. I think that would just be confusing. The zombie, instead of eating you, it would be like, it would ask you, why are you wearing this basketball?
2: No, no, no. Sorry, you carry, it's your decoy. Oh, you carry oh, oh, the basketball.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I thought we were still talking about hats.
2: I mean, maybe that would work too, like an extra layer of scalp. Like how lizards can lose their tail. You can, yeah. you can lose
0: your defense scalp. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely would need that. Yeah, yeah, you you run away scalpless, and the uh, the zombie is just shaking your scalp back and forth like a dog.
2: <laughs> but if you actually watch how quickly the zombie shakes the scalp, you can estimate the temperature of the air, which is something a lot of people <laughs> don't know about zombies. Uh, one uh, one like zombie reanimation uh, fiction detail that I really liked was. I think it was World War Z I once listened to the audiobook series of that which was quite good and there's a part of the story about like people escaping north where it's really cold but then once summer came back like they basically like were like oh we escaped we don't have these problems anymore and then the problems came came back in the in the summer I was right like, right that's right I properly scared that,
0: that book I've read that book too and that's a, that book is extremely systems thinking, mm-hmm. like what, what's the, what's the term for, for someone who like, like a, like a, a political analyst mm-hmm. who thinks about like the state of like the global political situation. I forget there, there are words mm-hmm. for oh, this. Like a think tank. Yeah. It's, it's a very think tanky kind of a book mm-hmm. yeah. of, of like, it, it, but it's a, it's a entirely like thinking through this entirely, entirely ridiculous scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually it does feel like like this is a book that would be commissioned by a think tank to, mm-hmm. like, how do we deal with this scenario? Like like Hunt for Red October feels like one of those two, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. Was, is that one also more like RTS point of view book? No, <laughs> Hunt for Red October is a straight fiction. Okay. It's a good book. Actually, if you haven't seen, it's a really excellent movie. Okay. I, I, I was really impressed. But like it, it, it does feel like it was like commissioned by a think tank to like think through this this important scenario that might happen. Except it was a scenario that would fucking never happen because it's it's fantasy. Uh huh. But but it's the the same you know uh, the same depth of thought when an analysis went into it. Mm-hmm. Very fun stuff. Yeah. All right. I think yeah we have time for one more topic. Yeah. Sure. Will your topic is magic. I guess, you know, I mentioned earlier,
1: it was doing magic back in the day. My first piece of software that I sold was actually to a magic store. It is a program called Sound Reading Trainer. And so there's a technique in mentalism where you can know what someone's writing on a piece of paper based on the sound it makes. Wow. And uh, uh, it's like a thing you can practice. What? And it's like, yeah, it's like you can do like simple words, numbers, you know, but everyone writes things slightly different. So I got a ton of people to, I recorded them writing numbers and letters and things and names and all this. And then I made a program that you could practice that stuff and then sold it to a uh, magic distributor. And I was like, yeah, that's my first, I think that was the first Whoa. you know, thing I sold. And then the guy, who owned the, the company ends up he had all like the credit card numbers of like famous magicians and he was just draining all their
0: accounts and then he went oh. to jail.
1: <laughs> and I, I never got paid for any of it. Oh. And I think he's still in jail. Yeah. When wow. he gets
0: out you can finally hit him up for that money either he, he yeah. owes you.
1: Exactly. Make him dollars disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Magic. That was, you know, uh it's still a thing I love. I, I don't perform, you know, live much, a, I mean I haven't zillionaires now it's like uh but i think that was the last magic show i did i used to do a lot of like private parties more for like adults and you know college people and stuff a lot of like little theater shows and stuff and it was fun uh so much of that i feel like ideas and that stuff i like to bring that into like games and performance things and stuff it's, it's
2: a lot of cool ideas in that world. do you remember how you first got into it
1: yeah yeah I was uh my friend tony and adam they actually both they went to that magic shop in boston they they got some tricks and showed them to me and i was blown away and then got a bunch of books of my own and really started just eating up every possible thing i could and then in providence at brown they've got like one of the largest collections of of magic uh anything in the world and uh you can go there and they basically lock you in this room and you just say like all right i want to read this you read like handwritten notebooks from Houdini and all this crazy stuff. And like, <laughs> it's awesome. So I used to spend so much time
0: there and just. Because they let you bring in a pencil? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, was... I would want to like leave notes on the Houdini book, like add my own notes. <laughs> yeah, they, they were very, very strict with, with certain stuff. It was like, because uh, I mean,
1: they, they have like books like bound in human skin and all this crazy stuff. It's like, wow. uh, it was cool. I got to get back there, the John Hay collection, but yeah. What do you guys think of magic? Are you any favorite magicians or, or experiences with that stuff?
0: When I was, uh, when I was a kid, when I was like five years old, I, um, learned enough like magic to put on a show mm-hmm. Oh, and I was like charging the kids in my neighborhood. Like I was like a nickel to see the show. I had to give all the money back because they had, like, stolen it from their parents. That's funny. (laughs) When
2: I was pretty young, one of my uncles was doing magic professionally, although I I never saw, I mean, he would, like, show me and my brother some of his tricks, Mm -hmm. which, like, never revealed to them or anything, so it was just like, what the heck, (laughs) Yeah, how is this happening? But the other siblings was telling us that when he was a kid, he would, like, like, if they were, like, out in town, and there is a, a police officer. My uncle would like go up to the police officer and be like, "I bet I can get out of your handcuffs in less than a minute, <laughs> and would be able to do it." No <laughs> I think way. he carried around like a lockpick set or something. That's cool. <laughs> so that was his—that was his party <laughs> That's trick. That's awesome. Uh, so I mean, it sounds like he could have gotten into much more lucrative and <laughs> less legal businesses than he ended up getting into. Um, but I, but I do remember him. Having a bunch of magic props and he like didn't really show us how to use some of them. That's cool. That was fun. I feel like there was also a there was a moment in time during elementary school when there was somewhere where you could like buy magic tricks and it was kind of a, a fad for a little bit, but like n- nothing like really legit. And I haven't actually seen a magic show in a really long time. Maybe the next time I go to Vegas, I will yeah. definitely do that. Oh, yeah, Penn and Teller and Lance Burton.
1: There was a thing I, I played at a couple times there in uh, this thing called The Wonderground, where like it's Jeff McBride puts it on. I don't know if they still do it, but it was like in a strip mall, like, you know, way off the strip in Vegas. And it would be all the magicians who have big shows would go there and do their own show. So like we, we were there with like, I mean, just like uh, Lance Burton and like Penn and Teller would be there sometimes or Steve Darcy, all these like, <laughs> cool magicians. And then uh, uh, they just do it for like maybe like a hundred people in this little club. And then after that, wow. all the magicians would like hang out till like four in the morning. And like, that was so fun. Cause like the first time I did that, I was like seeing like a lot of like my favorite magicians and they were all just like at the table. I'm, like, Oh my God, this wow. is so cool. Like everyone. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. One of the guys was on the cover of Magic Magazine that month. And I was like, hey, I just saw you. <laughs> I was like, but that was fun. And then we did one at uh, there was, uh, the casino that OJ got arrested at Palace Station, I think. And uh, that was fun because it was like, because we were playing at the show, the casino was like really strict, like they wouldn't allow us to play any any card games in the actual casino because they were like, if you're in the Magic people, <laughs> you're not allowed to you know, do weird, hard stuff that you might do. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is fun. There's a guy I recommend anyone sees, Tommy Wonder. Uh, it's like the corniest sounding magic-y, you know, I think mm-hmm. he's like, there's a character in Arrested Development called that too. Uh, but he was so good. He was like very cool, nice vibe about him. Mm-hmm. there's a he, he died years ago, but there's a bunch of videos on YouTube. If It's one of the not super famous but really good Tommy Wonder okay yeah
2: writing that one down
1: <laughs> yeah I, the, the last magic show I saw was uh Darren Brown on Broadway and that was like maybe a couple months before covid took off and I was like so thankful I get to see it like and actually that was the last day the next day was the last show I did in New York uh for the the show we we're doing there so oh well, yeah and then we did packs like a couple of weeks after that. But then like two or three days after that, that was, you know, everything
0: shut down. I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, Chris Cornell, who has gotten really into sleight of hand, like card tricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was saying that like the all the magic discourse on the Internet is extremely secretive. Mm. Like in order to get on magic forums, you need to like send the administrator like a photo of your bookshelf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, he linked me to like video reviews on YouTube of like a product that was like reviewing the product without ever actually showing it or saying what it is yep. or what it does or what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> it was very like watching this review was very strange.
2: <laughs> I'm what? pretty
0: sure it was for like a a false thumb of some kind. Yep. <laughs> Wait, is the review like some kind of
2: ARG or like it's actually No, it was like, for
0: people who know what it is. Yeah.
2: Oh wow. <laughs> okay, like, that's pretty cool.
1: It's like in like you ever see the the pen and teller foolish show where they like so there's like, you know, they have magicians try and do a magic trick and see if pen and teller can uh you know think mm-hmm. uh get it. But like when they describe it to tell to say whether or not they you know, know how they did it. They do it in kind of like a code that only magicians would know what they're actually saying. And it's really cool like watching it from that perspective because like they never reveal how they did it to the actual audience, but they can communicate it to the magician through, you know, kind of like hints around words that,
2: you know, or or the name of the move or whatever. So it's cool. Mm-hmm. Might be a too big of a question for right mm-hmm. now, but like how has your interest in magic changed how you like you mentioned that you you kind of put some of that feeling into your game so like how do you do that
1: yeah i i think it's like
2: you know with magic or anything it's it's
1: like more about direction than like you know misdirection with stuff so it's like like or it's not about tricking people you know it's about like showing them something in a way that is surprising and interesting and uh you know hopefully they feel something whatever the goal was for making the thing so um yeah like i think about it like that like you know there's a lot of like little setups of, of things that i'm like psychologically trying to lead someone towards one way where like and that, that's something we do in magic all the time is like like say i start a show with just like you know you put the deck on the table and you say to someone like i oh, think of any number between or any card in the deck and then i know what like the first like you know bunch of cards I, I know where a bunch of cards are in the deck so like if they happen to say the one on the top have like actual real magic that just happened but if not I got like other things I can and those are some of my favorite pieces where it's like ever there's possibilities for like actual real as magicy magic as I can get yeah and like uh um and then if it doesn't happen the audience never knew mm-hmm. and uh you know and so like I'm trying to think about things like that games like you know there's there's things in, in there that like probably no one will ever find think it's <laughs> uh-huh. like like silly stupid stuff that like it's just funny to me or, or like, but sometimes it's like setting someone up to, you know, go in a certain direction that you're going to give them that surprise or, you know, uh, uh, kind of reward for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think about that. And same with music, you know, that's like, does the same thing. It's like, you take something that you sort of understand or that feels familiar and then some sort of twist on it. That uh-huh. is a, a new, you know, uh, way of experiencing it. And then Hopefully, if it resonates with people, then uh, other people like
0: it. Yeah, I um, I'm really into the idea of like setting up a trick that only works one every 52 times. Yeah, but that one time, it's amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. so cool! <laughs> like, I remember hearing about a scam where you send a letter to like 10,000 people, uh, and you tell half of them that a certain stock is going to go up in price, and the other half that it's going to go down, and then to the people. Who you were wrong, you don't send them any more letters, but the people for whom you were right, you send half of them a letter saying the stock is going to go up, and then half of them a letter saying the stock is going to go down. Whoa, that's totally a move. And you repeat this until there's one person who thinks you're a god and will follow you anywhere.
1: That's like. Uh, that's actually a huge amount of how like stage hypnosis works when when you do that sort of stuff where you are basically getting like a whole bunch of people to do something initially and then you whittle it down to like four or five people that are like into the into the thing and it's like uh oh. uh but there's totally magic moves that are exactly like that too mm-hmm. you go from a very wide range that eight, eight, what's a good one like it's a funny one like think about a number between like one and ten what I think of
0: two. Oh, was I, was I supposed to tell you?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Now, what do you think of, Chris? Uh, nine. Interesting. Cool. So, like, this is just a little, I mean, it doesn't work every time. But when you say, like, think of a number one to ten, this is either going to be like a eight or a two. So, like, one to oh. ten. And it's just these, like, little subtle psychological signals that you can, you know, or, like, you know, th- think of any, like... Imagine a card in your head, like make it kind of bright, but don't don't just kind of like let it fade in so you can see like the numbers in the side. Like what, which one would it be? Mine was king. Interesting. What do you think? Joe?
0: Uh, seven.
2: And what, what what suit? Oh, uh, of diamonds. Yep. Mine was red. I think it was also diamonds. So
1: that part worked at least. So what I said was, is like, you know, make it bright in your head. So the language of bright, uh, you know, makes it more likely to be a red card. And then I went like this. Uh, so, 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 you know, just, I want you to imagine a card like this, so you can see it right here and you can see the numbers in the bottom. So from there, it, you know, makes it likely to eliminate the, uh, face card. And also I drew a three and I went, you know, see the numbers, see it right down the middle. One, two, three. So usually people take, pick the three diamonds from that. So like, so what you can do is get, you know, if you do that to enough people, I
0: was looking away from the camera when you asked. So yeah. That'll make a difference.
1: But, but yeah, there's tons of stuff like that. And like, you know, the, those sort of things that I love
2: to work into games. That's so crazy. <laughs> well, I've been bamboozled right now. I did not think it was possible. Is this your card? <laughs> no, this is my hand. It's the five of hands. <laughs> Holy, how did you know?
0: Uh, and, and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. <laughs> Uh, Will, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Oh, let's I'm on uh, sodadrinkerpro.com or or on Twitter at Soda Drinker Pro. And I'm on the Blue Sky one. I don't know what to do with it on there. So if anyone's on there, say hi, because I don't, I, I want to, Twitter's been bumming me out. So, so.
2: <laughs>
1: But yeah, I hope to see everyone around. And thank you so much for having me. It's
0: so nice being here. And Chris, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet?
2: Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Chris L. Hall. Um,
0: I rarely post. Good for you. You should never post. <laughs>
2: I'm, <laughs> I'm heading. I'm hurtling in that direction. <laughs> well, as, asymptotically, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's not really hurtling, is it? No,
2: it was. The last time I posted, like the next day, I was really heading
0: down. You, you had a hangover. Uh-huh. Well, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me. It
2: was
0: really nice to meet you. Yeah, same here. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!